So um, about two or three weeks ago, I, I had scheduled somebody to be speaking this Sunday. We were doing this Focusing on Jesus um, series. And, and I just think it's always important to hear from different voices, um, which is why sometimes you'll see kind of a... I see my family friends are here. You visited so many times from Wichita, and I maybe preached once when you're here because we just like to have different voices here. And so the guy I had scheduled for the 26th um, a couple weeks ago, it was like on a Monday night, texted me, goes, dude, I completely double booked myself. I'm so sorry. So I was like, ah, bummer. What am I going to do? And the next morning, I got a text from Dan Russell. Now, Dan Russell and I have known each other. Dan used to be our junior high youth pastor for how, how many years? For four. For four years. Then you were the senior high youth pastor at First Prez yes. uh, for how long? Four years. Four years. So veteran like youth four, pastor. Like yeah, veteran youth pastor. His body is completely made of pizza. Um, in his growing years, he was made, he just ate pizza, but Dan, but Dan and I don't text a lot, right? I mean, it's not a bad thing or whatever. We just don't. And so, so Monday night, uh, my buddy said, I can't, I can't teach. Then the next morning I have a text from Dan Russell that says, Hey guy, I feel like God downloaded a message for me that I'm supposed to give on March 26th. I'm not kidding. That's exactly what it said. I was like, I took my phone to Anna. I was like, read this. So you can show that this actually happened to me just now. And Dan, the Lord just dropped something in him. Um, And here's what's cool, by the way. I could stress about my job. Like, I got to figure out how to teach something here. And I have stressed for many years about my job. But the more submitted I get to Jesus and just waiting for him to do what he wants, he's pretty good at it. I mean, I love that. I feel like I can still feel the weight of that word that Chris shared of the, the God pulling us in, gravity of Jesus in, in the center in ourselves. And so Dan had this word that we just looked at, and he, he's since gone on a different journey since youth pastor, and you'll talk about that. So, anyway, here comes Dan Russell. Let's receive him today and hear what God's got him. Thanks. Thank you. I'm going to hand it off to Anna to lead us off. This is from 1 Corinthians, Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Listen to this. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligent of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Look, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, and foolishness to the Gentiles, but to those whom God has called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. 
So I specifically requested that Anna read that verse. And what's really neat is that when we were meeting to discuss today's message, she goes, God had laid that verse on my heart for two days before you sent that email. So I I really believe that God is in this. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but God's in it. So several years ago, when I was on staff at Believer's Church uh, doing youth ministry, I spontaneously shared a word from the Lord I believe God had given me for the congregation that day. Later that evening, I was hanging out with Brian Augustine and some youth leaders, as we would often do. And Brian said to me, and I'm paraphrasing, so I'm not, pardon me, Brian, if I don't quote you perfectly here, but he says, do you remember that word from the Lord that you shared during worship today? I totally felt the Holy Spirit when you were sharing. And then in his loving Brian Augustine way, he said, But then it felt like you kept talking. (laughs) But because I know Brian loves me, I couldn't be offended. I said, you're so right. The first half of what I shared was exactly what God laid on my heart. But then I elaborated because I was afraid people might miss it. And I'll never forget what he said. Just say what God tells you to to say and stop there. You don't need to do the Holy Spirit's job. Jesus was brilliant at this. He would sometimes say the most confusing, perplexing things and simply end with, whoever has ears, let them hear. So I'm going to do my best this morning to just share what I believe God has laid on my heart. God, I pray that your words will stand this morning and my words will fall to the floor and be forgotten. May you give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to your church. I wonder what God is up to right now. We've got the revival that started at Asbury University combined with the release of the movie Jesus Revolution, which tells the story of the Jesus movement of the 1970s, combined with the season of Lent, all leading up to the celebration of Easter and the resurrection of Jesus. Is God preparing our generation for another great move of his spirit? My name is Dan, and I'm an RN at St. Francis Hospital, and my manager randomly scheduled me for a day shift on Saturday, March 25th, a.k.a. yesterday. She swears we had a conversation about it, and I think we kind of did, and I remember her telling me, no, you have to work nights, and I always work nights on the weekend. So I do apologize if you've ever caught me falling asleep on a Sunday morning. I promise I do not think Guile's sermons are boring. I just think he has a soothing voice and a calming delivery. (laughs) But seriously, I started wondering if God wanted me to be fully awake and alert on Sunday, March 26th for a specific reason. So I did what any modern charismatic Christian does when they are trying to discern the Holy Spirit. I googled. (laughs) What is Sunday, March 26th of Lent? And I found out that today is Passion Sunday. For those of us who didn't grow up Catholic or in a mainline Protestant church, we probably first heard the word passion in reference to the crucifixion through the movie The Passion of the Christ. And one cannot consider the crucifixion without asking the question, why did Jesus have to die? Well, spoiler alert, the answer is our sin. Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Luke 5. 31 and 32, and that reminds me, I actually was given a a clicker here. Without our sin, there would have been no need for Jesus to come and die, and for us to repent, we must embrace the reality of our sin sickness. 
Proverbs 16.25 tells us there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. Right now our culture believes that we are progressing towards righting the wrongs of the the past, and please don't misunderstand me. Our society has committed many wrongs in the past, slavery and segregation just to name two. But there are many in our culture who believe that we are in the process of releasing people from the shackles of religion and freeing them to be their true selves. That is because, as Timothy Keller says, our culture defines freedom in the negative sense. Modern Western culture defines freedom as the absence of restraints. To be free means to be able to pursue our desires without limitations. Keller concludes that ultimately means we cannot pursue love because love is a restraint. My heart breaks for a generation that is bought into the lie, if you want to be free, don't get married. If you want to be free, do not have children. Be a dog parent. But I don't know, dogs are so needy. Maybe get a cat, they're more independent. And if you really want to be free, definitely don't become a Christian. But as with every effective lie, there's always a bit of truth because as I've learned the hard way at times, if I love my wife, I cannot do whatever I want. I must consider how my decisions impact my wife. If I love my children, I cannot do whatever I want. I must consider how my decisions will impact my children. If I love my puppy, and I do love my puppy, and I even feel weird that I'm emphasizing my love for my puppy, and I didn't emphasize my love for my wife and my children, but I still can't do whatever I want. I have to get up early and take him outside to go potty. Not fun, but it beats the alternative, if you know what I mean. And if I love Jesus, I cannot do whatever I want. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands, John 14, 15. So if you wonder why we feel so disconnected, so alone, maybe it is because we have pursued freedom at the expense of love. When Jesus told the parable of the prodigal son, he said the son left his father and his brother to pursue his desires. Did you notice that? He left his father. He left his brother. He believed they were holding him back. He followed his passion until it left him broken, penniless, lying face down in a pig pen, eating the same slop as the pigs. That was the moment he came to himself. Luke fifteen seventeen through 19 tells us, But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough to spare, but here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. Did you catch that? He came to himself and returned to his father. He came to himself. He did not become someone else. As one commentator puts it, the man's guilt was that he had been self-indulgent, but he had been living to a self which was not his true self. The parable of the prodigal son teaches us that the path to becoming our true self is not in pursuing self-indulgent passion, but in pursuing open and honest repentance. When Jesus calls us, he calls us to our true self. And I believe we can see this truth at work today in the revival at Asbury University. My understanding is that that revival started with a young person, a a young man confessing his sin and his friends gathering around him in love and prayer. When we're willing to be vulnerable and become fully known, we can finally be fully loved. 
Make this your common practice, James says. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. James 5.16. The irony is that we live in a culture that says repentance is unnecessary because sin is not a reality. It is simply the construct of religion. Not only that, the very notion of sin is harmful to the individual because it produces an unnecessary sense of guilt and shame about human nature. Yet the more we attempt to throw off the shackles of truth and religion to free ourselves from the repressive notion of sin, the more we find ourselves quite literally on a path to death. As an RN, I'm required to do continuing education to renew my license and certifications. To meet these requirements, I was recently reading a research article on the suicide epidemic in America. And as a former youth pastor and the parent of three kids, I found the following statistics on youth and suicide disturbing. According to the article, even before the pandemic in 2019, nearly one in five youth ages 10 to 19 reported seriously considering suicide. And the three highest at-risk groups, according to the article, were whites at 19.1%, females at 24.1%, and young people who reported having sex with young people or with the same sex or both sexes at 54.2%. Among all students, 8.9% reported actually having attempted suicide, and the three highest at-risk groups for attempted suicide were females at 11%, blacks at 11.8%, and students who reported having sex with the same sex or both sexes at 30.3%. This is from uh, Assessment and Prevention of Suicide for Healthcare Practitioners. And the CDC just released a new study not contained in the article indicating that one in three high school girls have considered suicide. That's a 60% increase over the past 10 years. Yeah, these statistics are staggering. The article suggests that the answer to the suicidal ideation, the answer to this epidemic of hopelessness and despair is to normalize, validate, and affirm Again, this is an article written for healthcare practitioners, but I believe it embodies the overall message reinforced by the culture, and I believe this message is coming from good people who mean well. The last thing anyone wants to see is more young people committing suicide. So consider with me for a moment the possibility that we may actually be living in the most normalizing, validating, and affirming time in the history of America, and yet these suicide rates are not going down. They're going up. Now, I don't want to be guilty of oversimplifying the mental health crisis in America. I think that Christians have been guilty of this over the years, even to the point of denying that mental illness is a thing. So I'm not saying that this approach is wrong. I just don't think that it's enough. Young people are constantly being told that they're fine and don't let anyone tell you that there is anything wrong with you. But here's the problem. Deep down, they know that they are not fine. In fact, I think deep down we all know that we are not fine. Because if what is contained in the Bible is true, then the spiritual reality of humanity is that our relationship with God is broken and we need Jesus to bring us back into right relationship with the Father. Like the sinful woman who washed Jesus' feet with her tears and dried them with her hair in Luke chapter 7. There's a war raging within us every day that can only be remedied at the feet of Jesus. Yet we are told that if we tell a young person that the answer to that struggle is to turn to Jesus in repentance, we might overwhelm them with a sense of guilt and shame, which will lead to more anxiety, more depression, and more suicide. But Christianity teaches the exact opposite. 
confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might live together whole and healed. Again, if we want to be fully loved, we must be willing to become fully known. And our souls know it because if the message of our culture were true, then our society should be on a glorious path towards less and less suicide, fewer and fewer deaths of despair. In fact, we should be becoming the greatest culture of life our nation has ever seen. And yet the correlation is the exact opposite. Anxiety, depression, and suicide rates are not going down. They're going up. John Peterson once said at BC on a Sunday morning, we must speak the truth in love because truth without love will kill people, but love without truth will just fatten them up for the kill. Our culture tells us that freedom equals the absence of restraint. To be free means to be able to follow our passion without religion or society telling us what we can and cannot do. But to quote Bob Dylan, and I just really wanted to throw in a Bob Dylan quote, you're going to have to serve somebody. That's from Slow Train Coming. The Bible teaches us that if we want to be free, we must become a slave of Christ. 1 Corinthians 7.22 says, For he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. Do you want to be free? I'm here to tell you that Jesus loves you exactly as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way, and that's good news. To the accusers of the woman caught in adultery, Jesus said, he who is without sin cast the first stone, John 8, 7. And when, G- and when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. One of the most beautiful contemporary examples of this that I have ever seen was right here at BC on a Tuesday night. In an act of repentance, one of our Celebrate Recovery members who is a recovered alcoholic and had been sober for several years publicly confessed that he had recently slipped up and gotten drunk And with tears in his eyes, he said, I'm sorry. He literally got a standing ovation and several hugs for his courage. That was the CR community normalizing the struggle and validating and affirming the individual without minimizing the sin. That was the church being the literal hands and feet of Jesus, loving him and saying, where are your accusers? Neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. I am not okay, and you are not okay, and we all know it. We don't even live up to our own standards, let alone God's standards. But before you think that means we must earn our way back to the Father with good works, I want you to notice something. Did Jesus extend grace to the woman caught in adultery before or after he called her to repent? Before. He extended her grace first, and out of that grace, he called her to repentance And did the father embrace the prodigal son before or after he repented? Before. And he arose and came. Did we got it there? And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. It was in the midst of that embrace that the son repented. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. 
However, the father doesn't even let him finish his little pre-rehearsed speech. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on it, on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fattened calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry, for the son was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And they began to be married. This is like the BC lost and found table on steroids here. I was so excited. I found my hat. Seriously, I've got my hat now. How much more excited is the father that his, that his son has returned? And he does the same for you and me. As Paul writes to the Romans, but God demonstrated his own love toward us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans eight, Romans five, eight. So that war you are fighting within yourself is real, but here is the good news. Jesus fought and won that war for you over 2,000 years ago on the cross. Our need for a savior precipitated the coming of Jesus and his subsequent death on the cross. Freedom is not the absence of restraint. Freedom is found in the one who bound himself on the cross for you, and freedom is binding ourselves to the one who brings us life. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate man in the wilderness and are dead. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at that last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the, fa- as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. John chapter 6, verses 48 and 49 and 53 through 57. And at, the last, and at the last supper, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup, oh, I'm, I'm going to read the version I got here, I think that's for Guile. This is my body, then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, and he said to them, Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And I just love that last little detail there, just the idea that Jesus would be singing hymns with his disciples. But we know what happened at the Mount of Olives. It was there that he made the final decision to go to the cross for you and me. My soul is overwhelmed With sorrow to the point of death, he said to his disciples, stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Mark chapter 14, verses 34 through 36. Aren't you glad he said those last nine words, yet not what I will, but what you will? The passion of the prodigal son led him away from his father and towards drunkenness and prostitutes, but the passion of Jesus led him to the cross so that we might be reunited with our heavenly father and brought back into the family of God. Amen. I'm now going to invite Pastor Guile to come up and lead us into a time of communion.
Can you feel the weight of the Holy Spirit right now? You know, Dan had typed that out and uh, said, I promise I'll just read what I wrote. And we're like, whoa, Dan. Uh, this is Jesus sneaking up on us and bringing us back to center. Um, when John and Anna and I read through this and we're praying, Lord, is this what you want to share? One of the things that John Free said that was so, so helpful, he said, I really hope we don't hear this and respond to it by saying, yeah, those people need to hear that. You know what I'm talking about, right? Um, repentance is the means by which God changes us into the image of Jesus. He doesn't change us outside of our will. He changes us when we say, I need changing. We can resist him for as long as we want to. The son, it was the son who left. He was the son who left. And so we can resist Father's will. I've come to find repentance the most joyful thing because Jesus has said, I want to change you. You want to do this? And we, I can say, well, no, Jesus, I'll fix myself because I know I should be past this by now. Right? You ever done that? Or he's probably ticked. How many people I know who have come to me when we've used the word repentance and rebuked me? I'm serious. Because, because the very thing Dan said, that we're, I'm the head and not the tail. No, no. I desperately need Jesus' constant grace to transform me into the image of Jesus. I can't do it myself. So the joy of repentance is realizing, oh my goodness, I was running the show in this part of my life. I can't do it. Will you do it? Did you know that distrust of God is sin? And so I repent all day long in this joyful way because you know why I, when I know I'm distrusting God, when I'm anxious and I'm afraid, I go, oh, Jesus, I'm sorry. I don't believe that you can handle that. Will you forgive me? He's like, yes, let's do this. I've been waiting this whole time. Do you guys ever have, if you grew up in church, the, the kind of altar call boomerang, where there's called up, for more of the Lord come forward, and as you're coming, they're saying, and for those with sexual addictions, as well as as you're walking, you know, <laughs> it, you know, so it's, and it's because we know that everybody sitting in their seats is judging who's coming, right, you know, oh, CR does it right. I'm repenting. Let's do a standing ovation. That means I'm getting the help that I need and the help that everybody in this room needs. So Jesus gave us um, a physical act to do that in a three-dimensional way involves us in what he has done for us, the very center of it. And he gave it to us knowing that we would need to be reminded again and again and I'm going to note this because we looked at Mark and now here's Matthew. Matthew notes this. He says, Jesus took bread. And there, as, you, as many of you may already know, they're in this Jewish meal. 
that remembers a lamb that was killed and its blood was put on the doors of the Israelites when they were in Egypt. And when death, the spirit of death would come, if it saw that blood, it would not kill them. And so Jesus is taking that very meal and saying, I'm going to say something crazy. Nobody had ever said this that I know of before Jesus. He says in his meal, so he's good Jews. He takes the bread and he gives thanks. He broke it. And this is what they always did. But he broke it and he said, actually, this is my body. And they're like, what? Yeah, this is my body. I'm the one who's going to be broken for the sins of people. And he took, takes a cup. And we gave thanks. He gave it to them. Drink from it. This is my blood of the covenant. Luke says, new covenant. A new relationship with God. A new thing that he is binding himself to. God isn't. He's binding God who is completely free to anybody who will take this cup. Did you know God is binding himself to us? In covenant relationship through the blood of Jesus, which is poured out for many for what? The forgiveness of sins. Some of us, like me, have embraced a a kind of a screwed up gospel. It's that we enter the kingdom by grace and then we live by our works. We just got to maintain this thing. And I got forgiveness back then, I guess. Guys, we live by the forgiveness of Jesus daily. That's what it means by new mercies every morning. It's not new affirmations that you're doing everything right. It's that you're screwed up and you need help once again. So, I'm going to invite you to do is on your chairs, we've got these Porta Communions. And, you know, this is definitely a very symbolic approach to this, that of the body of our Lord in this wafer. Um, and the liquid being his blood shared. We're going to take this together, but before you do, I want to warn you that only people with problems can do this. You see what I'm saying? Only people with problems can do this. If you don't have problems, you don't need it, there's no point. Everybody understands? Well, guy, what do you mean about drinking unworthily the body of the blood? What Paul is dealing with in 1 Corinthians 11, there's a people at their communion tables showing up drunk. That's unworthy, right? And not letting other people take part in it, okay? So if you're drunk, Jesus will still forgive you this morning. Absolutely serious. If you are stone dead drunk right now, he's in love with you and will forgive you if you want to receive his forgiveness. So that's what we're going to do right now. So what I want to take a minute is just let the Lord look at us Not to say, man, you better clean yourself up for this. What do you want to be free of? What do you want healed? What do you want set right? Let's bring that to the Lord right now. Let's just, maybe for some of you, closing your eyes would be helpful to think, I really want that set right in my life. I want to be able to trust you better, Jesus. I want to be scared less. Lord, search us. So in faith now, let's take this body and let's receive it together. 
receive your healing coming out of your brokenness, Jesus. Let's take this cup. Lord, is there anything you want to forgive in us right now? We receive it. Now Dan mentioned the scripture, James 5.16, that there is healing in confession of our sins to one another. To one another. Doesn't mean you can't receive healing, just you and Jesus. But I know. Have any of you asked Jesus for forgiveness of your sins and you just don't feel it? We're not sure you believe it. So Jesus gave us this powerful way to be free. It's to confess it to somebody else. I'm not going to ask you to do that right here in this context. Although, if you're with somebody you trust well enough to do it, do it. Um, but some of us, some of us right now, we need to make plans. Maybe it's to send a text to a buddy. Say, I need to talk. I want to confess something. I got to tell you, I'll tell you what, me and my, between me, John, Roger, Matt, and Mike, we confess sins via text all the time. I don't trust God. Amen. <laughs> You're forgiven. Receive the forgiveness of Jesus. Because we need help. We need help. Our CR community, that's the whole point. The CR is just the gospel. It's just the gospel. Of that together. We, by ourselves, we cannot manage our lives. They're out of control and we need a Savior. We receive from Jesus in community what we need to become what we're meant to be. All right, let's stand together. I really enjoy just looking out over here because I know so many stories of the God, of God's healing. And I also know stories of healing still needed, wholeness that, that Jesus paid for in his body and his blood. So here, here's what I'm going to ask. If there's any of us who would like just prayer, and by that I mean, man, ooh, if you're feeling the, the walk of shame, it don't exist here. The walk of shame, the walk of shame is, is, is head held high. I don't need help. But anybody, I, 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 I was thinking about physical healing. Jesus' body and blood were shed for this or anything else. Can we have some of our elders just come over this area over here? Um, and some of our prayer team. And then some over here as well. I'm just going to wait for just a second longer and have a chill environment because I think Jesus really wants to heal some of us today. So I'm going to wait for just a second and you're just going to have to do it cold, no music. If anybody likes some prayer, why don't you come forward right now?
or whatever it is. I want some healing from Jesus. You know what? Let's applaud our friends. Yeah. Also, so what we're, we're going to do a really quiet dismiss, and that means like if you could, Brian, if or somebody could make some sounds on music, it kind of sets our environment so our nonverbals are like, oh, that's right, they're doing something in here. Because um, I think there might be some more the Lord wants to do. Um, we're going to go ahead and dismiss everybody. You're not less of a Jesus follower if you leave. Okay, and there's also kids who are going to tear the walls down if we don't get them. Um, but if anybody wants, you're like, I don't know if I'm even really following Jesus or if I want to do that. Dane, could you stand up here? And then I saw Tim Lucas. Could you come over here too, please? Just these guys are two of the best guys I know personally that it could help decode what this is all about and invite you to following Jesus. Sound good? Lord, we receive your healing. Be with us all week. To the glory of the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. You're dismissed.